0: What is the absolute best way to improve reading comprehension is to read out loud to children at a level above what they could decode on their own.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Pudua Well, Andrew, today is December 30th.
0: Wow. And are we happy to say goodbye to this year?
1: I, I think it is kind of a, one of those unanimous, everyone agrees that 2020, you know what, except for anybody who had a baby this year or who got married this year, this was a pretty difficult year, right? Yeah. So, And of course, I got a new grandson this year, so mm-hmm. 2020 was a good year for the Walker family. So and
0: I just got the news at Thanksgiving that the next grandchild is on the way.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. So number 15 and number Andrew? 15. Oh, yeah. congratulations. So that'll be 2021. 2021, yes. So I thought that to essentially end 2020 and begin 2021, I would like for you to have a conversation with our podcast listeners about one of your most favorite conference talks, and actually one of my most favorite. I've listened to it, mm, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say, dozens of times, and that's Nurturing Competent Communicators. Yeah, I've listened to it
0: dozens of times.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Probably as you're listening to yourself.
0: Yes, it um, it's a well-seasoned talk. And of course, we can't fit that whole thing into two podcasts. Mm-hmm. So this is the highlights. Yeah. But if someone really wants to get the whole enchilada mm-hmm. which I highly recommend mm-hmm. it's available
1: yeah and you have a lot of great stories that you share and I know you'll you'll share some of those stories today but I know that you're not going to get them all in but so we'll put a link in the show notes to the full talk so that if any of our listeners want to download and hear that talk they they can
0: feel free to do so yeah I um, when I started doing that talk I had kind of this revelation mm-hmm. that compelled me to go down this particular line of thinking. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've we've made much of this very obvious thing. Yes. But it's always important. Even though it's obvious, it's always worth thinking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is simply you can't get something out of a brain that isn't in there to begin with. Right. I'm not the first person to have thought of that. Um, (laughs) Louis L'Amour said uh, something like, a writer's brain is like a magician's hat. You can't get something out of it if you don't put something in first.
1: (gasps) You mean it's not really magic? You mean it's just a trick? I didn't know that. This kind of
0: struck me full force when I noticed that kids trying to write are trying to find in their mind Mm -hmm. Um, ideas and then they're trying to find the words to attach to those ideas and then they're trying to put those words in patterns that are correct and do that kind of all at once and the more ideas and the more words and the more patterns they have Mm -hmm. available in in their mind – the the easier it is for them to write stuff. Mm -hmm. The less that's available, the harder it is for Mm -hmm. them to write stuff. And so I I started exploring two ideas that made its way into this kind of two-part talk, which is now so bloated I really could do a whole hour (laughs) on each half, but I still keep cramming it together. Mm -hmm. And um, the... The first talk, the first half, is about the importance of reading mm-hmm. out loud.
1: Reading out
0: loud to mm-hmm. children, um, and many of our listeners are probably familiar with uh, Sarah McKenzie mm-hmm. and the Read Aloud Revival. And it, it was interesting because I, I had no concept that this one talk could affect other people mm-hmm. in a way that. Affected other people that affected other people that had this this tremendous chain effect, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm so grateful for my friendship with Sarah over the years, and what she's done to promote this idea of reading aloud to your whole family, mm-hmm. um, way beyond just the the little homeschool niche. Oh sure. That that yeah. I usually talk to. Sure. Uh, she's she's got. You know, parents all over the world, Mm -hmm. many of whom aren't homeschooling, but are seeing the tremendous value of reading aloud to their children.
1: Yes, and she on her website, she has so many great resources to choose which books to read out loud for which age children. So if you've got a preschooler and of course my granddaughter is a preschooler, and so I like to go to Sarah's website and find not board books anymore. She's grown out of board books, <laughs> not quite ready for chapter books, but, you know, just to be able to find even seasonal books, you know, she's got a great list of recommendations for the holidays, for winters. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Sarah's
0: a great resource. So I guess the, the to, to not give the whole story, mm-hmm. but the way I came to this conclusion that this was the single most important thing that you could do if you want to have a child grow up to be a competent writer, speaker and writer mm-hmm. of English, was I, I thought, okay, you're only going to get out what goes in. So what's going in? Where Where do children today in our modern world get most of their language input on a daily basis? Mm-hmm. Uh, Now, certainly not everyone falls into this category. But if you look at the large majority, the super majority, probably the number one influence on the language uh, going into children's brain every day is media.
1: You Uh, used to say television, Andrew, but it's not television now.
0: TV has kind of changed Mm -hmm. in its definition. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, 20 years ago – that was the primary way that people would watch stuff, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, YouTube was not ubiquitous <laughs> yes. yet, um, and and but the statistics, even back then, are the average American school age child watches twenty five hours of television a week. Wow! Yeah. Now, okay, that that sounds like a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's an average, that's a little scary because some people may be watching more than that Mm -hmm. and some people may be less Mm -hmm. or some families, you know, very tightly restrict that. Mm -hmm. However, I don't know anyone except my 90-year-old father-in-law who actually watches a television Mm -hmm. at all. Uh, But we watch a lot of shows. We watch a lot of videos we watch a lot you know it's it's kind of interesting the whole nature of it has changed and i suspect that if you were to look at the statistics on screen time mm-hmm. for kids that would be significantly more than 25 hours yeah. a week right uh, and it would include perhaps games mm-hmm. for mostly the boys social media for lots of kids mm-hmm. especially the girls mm-hmm. and so You know, there are people kind of trying to wake everyone up that this is just not a good or healthy thing. Right. Uh, We talked to Dr. Leonard Sachs uh, Mm -hmm. some time ago, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, he's been very acutely aware of the effect of screens on psychology and and the mental health of uh, young people. But if, if we look at it from our perspective, you, you would say, okay, just think of all the stuff you watch or all the stuff your kids watch. Is that going to provide for children a source of reliably correct and appropriately sophisticated language? No. Generally, it's pretty dumbed down. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, It shoots for the lowest common intellectual level that people can have. And sometimes the stuff that's created for kids – is really, really dumbed down. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Now,
0: that doesn't mean there aren't good things, right. you know, and there are good heavens. You can, you can watch Shakespeare movies, you mm-hmm. know, anytime you want now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a delight. Mm-hmm. But what people choose and what they gravitate to, you know, tends to be the pop stuff, mm-hmm. the lowest stuff. And so I thought, well, that's, that's a very, very large amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not the only source of language. So uh, what would be, for most kids, not necessarily all, but for most kids, the number two influence on their language on just a daily basis?
1: Well, their friends, their kids. Peers, yeah, peers.
0: peers. And this would particularly be true if children go to a school Mm -hmm. where they are in age-segregated groups, sure, and everybody is, you know, within about nine months of each other Mm -hmm. in age, Mm -hmm. and that this is a huge influence, you know, if you spend, um, what, you know, six, seven hours uh, getting to school, being at school, being around school, and most of that interaction is with people your same age. Right. Or after school activities mm-hmm. where you're also with people maybe a little more diverse, but approximately your same age. Or you are part of, you know, a sport or an activity that happens on the weekend where you are with children approximately the same age. And you don't have to go very far. You just ask the question, do peers provide for children a source of reliably correct and appropriately sophisticated language?
1: Right. When you throw in sophisticated, that quality adjective, the answer is, of course not.
0: Well, what happens, and this is typical of all groups, but it's very very evident mm-hmm. in groups of children is they they will quickly sink down to the lowest common level of vocabulary and s- subject matter mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes even attitude mm-hmm. right and and you don't really have to go very far to observe this if you just have a little group you know half a dozen Nine-year-old girls in one room—you mm-hmm. see that happen,
1: right? Well, there's that you don't want, you don't want the stigma of being the bossy one, the know-it-all, the, exactly the super smart one. You oh. just want to be normal. You it's, just want to be invisible. It's uncool. Yeah,
0: you know, if if you're in fifth grade and I'm in fifth grade, you know, there's two things that are uncool. Mm-hmm. One is for me to say, "Oh, that Julie, she's so articulate and well-behaved," <laughs> and Uh, chooses her words carefully and has such good insight, I want to be like that. It's not going to happen. And the other thing is you're not likely to say, oh, that Andrew, you know, he's just careless and sloppy with his language (laughs) and he (laughs) even says inappropriate things. I need to be a good example. No. If we're going to have a relationship, you're going to have to come down to my level. And and you spread that out through a whole group, and
1: to all of our listeners, you of course know it would be exactly the opposite. <laughs> no, no.
0: But uh, and I I've I've tried to find this because it was so long ago. It was before the internet, hmm. but it, it was a um, a early childhood music professional journal. So it was basically for early childhood mm-hmm. people, and and it was a study of how children change the way they speak depending on whom they're with. Oh, sure. And what they discovered is if a child is with another child at least two years older, that child will use a slightly higher level. They'll go to their top level of language ability mm. um, because they want to imitate. I mean, that's all the fourth graders want to be like is the older kid, right? So it kind of makes sense. But also if a child is at least two years older than the child they're with, that child will also use better, more complete, more correct, more careful mm-hmm, language. Mm-hmm. It's when you have children who are the same age that they use the least sophisticated language that they are likely to use. So I thought, well, you know, the, you know for people who, who have their kids at home, they don't have that same continuous peer influence of people all mm-hmm. approximately the same age. Right. But you know, even so, kids have that tendency to want to be with, play with, imitate you know their friends. It's mm-hmm. natural, and sure, but it's not going to grow the language capabilities, right? Um, so I thought, okay, wow. For most of the kids, especially, you know, the the school teachers are trying to get these. They're trying to get good writing out of these kids' minds. But what they don't notice is the top two influences are not providing what they need in order to do that. Right. Uh, So then what would be the third influence?
1: Well, that would be teachers, parents. Parents,
0: and other busy adults. (laughs) Yes. With with the operative (laughs) word being busy.
1: It's So true, we're so busy.
0: Because uh, I have never not been busy. My Mm -hmm. wife has never not been busy. I mean, now finally, we're not so busy. Because we don't have any children. Mm -hmm. But while we had children, you know, for 30 years, we're just very, very busy Mm -hmm. all the time. And even in the homeschool world, you know, it's easy to forget, you know, that you need time. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it's easy, you know, to to kind of say, you know, get back to work. Mm -hmm. You know, find your shoes or we're going to be late. Mm -hmm. Get in the car. I'm busy right now. Come back later. And I fear, you know, that if you had attached a little recording device to me for these years that I was at home with my children, much of what would have come out of my mouth would not qualify as reliably correct or sophisticated English.
1: No. (laughs) Get in the car is pretty simple.
0: (laughs) Um, So, you know, even those of us who have our kids at home most of the time, Mm -hmm. we have to carve out time. Mm -hmm. And... You know, I always had my idyllic vision of dinner with the family where we would, you know, have all the conditions are perfect and we would be able to sit in a relaxed manner and discuss Mm -hmm. in a sophisticated way something. Mm -hmm. I didn't even care what it was, Mm -hmm. you know, a little bit of history or current events or a book that someone's reading or, you know, uh, plans for something we would do as a family. But, you know, the... The busyness even affects everyone at the dinner table. Someone's, Mm -hmm. you know, want to eat quick because they have to go do something. And someone else is having a tizzy fit about broccoli Mm -hmm. or spilled milk. And, you know, someone else has to, well, one child in particular has to sneak the carrots off the plate and under the cushion in the chair. (laughs) When we moved, when we took the cushions off the chair. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Dried carrots. Oh no! <laughs> we knew whose chair. <laughs> yes, we knew whose chair. Anyway, so how do we do this? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, if we go to the fourth source of language, yeah, we're looking at books, right? And and this is where I noticed something about children and reading. There's kind of two two ends of a spectrum, mm-hmm. and honestly, not a whole lot in the middle. Hmm. There's kids who read a lot. Mm-hmm. They love to read. They mm-hmm. read in their spare time. Mm-hmm. They carry around a book so they're never bored. Um, and they read a lot.
1: And was that you growing up?
0: Um, pretty, I, I did. Yeah. Um, I did too. Um,
1: in fact, sometimes I got in trouble for reading because I wasn't like helping with chores or something.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. I mean I, I remember very specifically having to have a book – under my desk at school, to alleviate the boredom of sitting in the classroom, what you know from time to time, just unbearable. So I think I think I did carry books around that way, but but you know we're of a different generation right. too. However, there are still kids that do that, sure, and they read a lot, and they read fast, Mm -hmm. right, because they want to find out what's going to happen next in the story. Yes. And so what happens is the more you read and the faster you read, the less likely you are to be able to hear, Mm -hmm. like internally, Mm -hmm. your inner voice, hear the language. Right. In fact, uh, the speed reading people Mm -hmm. teach that if you hear every word you're reading, you are reading too slow oh, sure. to be speed reading. Right. Therefore, you should train yourself to to look at whole chunks of words mm-hmm. and, and not hear what you're reading. Right. And I'm not sure that I agree with that. It may be utilitarian, but it is not something I would ever teach a child. And when children do that, when they start skipping words they don't know or looking at whole chunks of words and knowing what it means, seeing a whole couple sentences that doesn't look important to the plot and skip it because they want to know what's happening so they read books like they watch movies mm-hmm. and especially the quote young adult fiction that is produced today is certainly not very contemplative in mm. nature it is not written to be savored in terms of the language or the scene it's written to be plot driven, mm-hmm. to have a hook, and to keep you going to the last page. And then there's the next one in the series, and so you've got to buy that and and go on. So uh, those children are not necessarily getting the full building of vocabulary and syntax mm-hmm. the way that they would mm-hmm. if they heard every word. Mm-hmm. Sure. On the other end of the spectrum, and this is unfortunately a rapidly increasing percentage of the of the population of school-aged children, they don't read. Mm-hmm. They don't want to read. Mm-hmm. They don't choose to read in their spare time. They read when they have to, but they would rather be doing other stuff. Probably consuming
1: media, C.1. Yeah, yeah, uh,
0: and, and games and, mm-hmm. and things. And Uh, You know, this is such a huge pull. Mm -hmm. In fact, um, I will confess that sometimes my phone tells me how long I've been using it. And I have noticed that I play Words with Friends (laughs) a lot. I love this game. But I always delete the app from my phone during Advent and oh, lent. huh uh-huh. So, during the whole period leading up to Christmas, right. it's a fast season. And so, I just don't do it. Well, right. I'm looking at the time differential. Oh. I mean, it could be 2 hours. Mm. Now, how do I do that? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not reading. Mm-hmm. I have a pile of books, I have a pile of magazines, but I'll sit there playing words with friends for 20 minutes. Right. If that's happening to me, right. Who actually wants to read, mm-hmm. what about kids who never fell in love with reading, right, you know? Right. And so I think we see more and more children who are not going to acquire improved vocabulary and correct or even poetic use of language mm-hmm. from books, mm-hmm. unless someone reads the books to, to them. them. yep. And that's the power of it. Mm-hmm. Number one, it, you know, when you read to your grandchild, Mm -hmm. and when I read to my grandchildren, and when any parent reads to anyone, Mm -hmm. even sometimes I read to my wife. Number one, you don't skip anything, right? You read every word. Furthermore, you hear every word, and the person listening is hearing every word. Mm -hmm. And so there's building up this complete syntax. Plus, language is very nuanced. It's primarily auditory. Mm. And only you know, tertiarily, does it become a thing that is only written? Mm -hmm. And of course, when you read out loud, if you do it half decently, you give emphasis where it is needed. You give a pacing or you can change your voices. You you actually improve reading comprehension by hearing good reading. Oh, right. Sure. It also creates (laughs) the... uh, American Library Association came out with brilliant research some years ago uh, that said children who are read to as tr- you know as children become adults who like to read. So if if you want to create a love of reading, right, you don't force kids to decode books before they want to. Mm-hmm. You read out loud to them,
1: right, and then they see you reading something and they're in- intrigued, interested. And honest, honestly, Andrew. I learned to read at four years old because my dad read out loud to me. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to know what he was doing. Mm -hmm. And he taught me to read just by hop-on-pop and uh, gateway to Mm Storyland, you know. So,
0: yeah, yeah, I agree. That's awesome. So that's kind of where, you know, I came to. Mm -hmm. And over the years, I've had many, many conversations, you know, at a conference or a convention or something. And, you know, very often I will hear... A parent say this, usually a mom. Mm -hmm. You know, I write pretty well. I mean, I think. I mean, I always got A's on all my papers, but I don't remember learning how. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no feeling of like someone taught me something that made me better at doing this. Right. Right. And I will ask them, did your parents read out loud to you as a child? And nine times out of 10, They'll say, yeah, actually, yeah, my dad read the Reader's Digest every day at the Mm -hmm, dinner table or mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. In my experience, it is the number one predictor of competent writing skills in adults is having been read to out loud in huge quantity as a child.
1: Okay, so I'm going to just throw out the common, I don't want to say objection, but the common understanding myth. You call it a myth in one of your articles. Mm -hmm. Just read, read, read. And I remember sitting in a cafeteria with you, Andrew, you're getting ready to do a high school class. And all around the cafeteria were all these posters of books (laughs) that these teachers recommended that their students read. And it's, you know, good readers make good writers. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. And yeah,
0: and it just, it doesn't work. Yeah, for and, reasons that you've talked about. know, the about. schools are seeing that. You, you can't – you know, you can use the Pizza Hut program mm-hmm. and say, you know, read X number of books and get a free pizza, which I think is, you know, a perfectly legitimate way to inspire kids who might rather be doing other things. Absolutely. But one of the problems is let's say you, you do read. You know, mm-hmm. You're know, you a kid who reads, and so you pick up the drivel that they give you for the age that you are, and it's entertaining, and so you read what you can read.
1: Insert plug for Sarah McKenzie's book lists to avoid drivel. <laughs> drivel.
0: <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Sure. Um, and, and then a kid gets a little bit older, but unless he or she have an expanded... Vocabulary and comprehension level mm-hmm. they won't really be able to read anything above mm. their normal level, their mm-hmm. daily life level, right mm-hmm. uh, If they see a word they don't know, they'll skip it. If they see too many words they don't know or sentences that are hard to understand, they won't read that thing. So what I think happens a lot of kids is they do lateral shifts, right so they they start reading whatever babysitter's club. You know, for the girls, Star Wars for the boys, and they get a little bit older, and then they have to read something that looks like it's written for someone a little bit older, you know, so whatever the popular stuff for the day is.
1: I mean, chapter books with no pictures as opposed to chapter books with pictures. They're pretty much the same, only they don't have pictures.
0: Only if you read chapter books with pictures that were written 100 years ago, Mm. the level of vocabulary... And the assumption of children's comprehension was much, much higher. Now, you know, just go to the library or the bookstore, look at the young adult fiction, pick it up, right? Mm -hmm. And then they get a little bit older, teenagers, and then they got to read something that looks like it's written for someone a little bit older. So whatever the pop stuff is, Twilight, I don't know. Mm -hmm. They get a little bit older and they have to read something that looks like it's written for an adult. So they're in the airport and they pick up, you know – a romance or a spy book. But if you evaluate them language-wise, hmm. they're really not that much more sophisticated than Babysitter's Club. Oh, interesting. They mm-hmm. simply are longer <laughs> yes. and usually have less moral standards. Mm, sure. Um, but people who kind of do that, if you were to have them pick up Jane Eyre, they would die after the first page mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they haven't acquired the capacity Mm -hmm. to deal with that level of vocabulary and that complexity of thought. So what is the trick? What is the absolute best way to improve reading comprehension? Is to read out loud to children at a level above what they could decode on their own. At a level above what they would choose to read on their own. And then if there's a word that needs to be defined, stop. Mm -hmm. Define it. Look it up if you need to. If there's an idiom or an expression that is unfamiliar, mm-hmm. an allusion to something, uh, you know, in literature or history or some, you know, you can stop and you can explain that thing. Right. Well, that's called learning. Yeah. Right. <laughs> For the child. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they're young, they have this absorbent mind. They may have to have that definition or explanation or connection. Only once, mm-hmm. and now it's part of their language database. Right, and uh, you know what we do notice is that children who uh, listen to high-quality literature, because parents read to them, or siblings read to them, or grandmothers read to them, yes. uh, or they listen on audio books, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. those language patterns and that level of vocabulary is now available and will come out in their written. And spoken use of the language.
1: Right. There's so many stories that you haven't shared that I, that I love that are a part of your talk. And and you know we're out of time for this part one. But I just want to encourage our listeners to please go to. Our links in the show notes so that you can get access to Andrew's full talk of nurturing competent communicators. And then you can hear the story of Andrew reading The Fellowship of the Ring to his children (laughs) and how adorable that is. So, Andrew, thank you for this. I know that there's a part two that we'll discuss next week.
0: Yes, always more. All right.
1: Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcast. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Poudoua and the team at IEW, I thank you for allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking.